Welcome to the Emergent Ecosystem, a Zimbabwean podcast about ecosystems, how they support our livelihoods, and how we can steward them to create a better future. You can find the Emergent Ecosystem on most podcast apps, where you can download, subscribe, and share. This means you can easily manage your podcasts, receiving each episode as it falls. The Emergent Ecosystem Facebook page is open to your comments, so you can engage with the community there too. Have you ever deliberately spent time outdoors in a time of crisis, perhaps gardening, walking, or playing sports? This is known as urgent biophilia. My guest, Rebecca McKinnon, has looked into this phenomenon in some detail. So this week we will discuss a small study that she set up to understand why people need nature when things get challenging. Rebecca studied at the University of Cape Town, where she completed her BSc Honours in Marine Biology and Oceanography. She then did two short courses in biomimicry through Biomimicry South Africa in partnership with the Biomimicry Institute before starting her master's in bio-inspired design with the University of Utrecht in the Netherlands. As part of her program, she did an internship in Wellington, New Zealand, where I caught up with her remotely. Rebecca McKinnon, welcome to the Emergent Ecosystem. Hi, Scott. (laughs) Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. There's so many reasons why you could be on the show today, but one in particular that I wanted to start with was urgent biophilia. Before before we get into that, could you tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into the field? Sure. Okay. So I was studying a Bachelor of Science in South Africa when I came across this field of biomimicry. And basically, my whole career path from then has been involved with basically understanding human relationships to nature, what we can learn from nature, how we experience nature. And it was through then developing a master's degree in the subject of bio-inspired innovation that I came across this concept called urgent biophilia. It so happened that I was in New Zealand at the time and the scenario and the kind of crisis of the coronavirus pushed me in this sort of direction to understand then what the human nature relationship is during times of stress and crisis and vulnerability that it all started basically from understanding what we can learn from nature and what our relationship is with nature. So what exactly is biophilia and well urgent biophilia in particular? Sure. So biophilia, it actually was coined by a psychologist. His name was Eric Fromm. It's basically, it literally translates to a love of life or a love of living. So biophilia, it's a hypothesis really that humans, we have this innate connection with nature, this innate need to affiliate with nature. And it basically stems from our evolutionary history of just being quite dependent on nature for our survival and our reproduction. And so biophilia is this natural tendency we have to just want to be surrounded by nature, or it's the reason we are amazed by amazing mountains or views or a beautiful sunset. That feeling that we have is just this tendency, this longing for being part of nature. And then urgent biophilia, it is this same affiliation that we have, but it's just a hypersensitized manifestation of it. And it's because we're in a time of maybe stress or we feel vulnerable and we try and we go out into nature. It's a very conscious 
conscious kind of biophilia, where we go out into nature to almost self-treat ourselves because we understand that we have this positive association with being in nature and then we're feeling stressed so we go out into nature to try and treat that stress so it's just a sort of self self-administered therapy almost using nature so it's almost like you're going to nature yeah for a type of therapy Yes, yeah. It is basically just based on all of the restorative benefits that have been associated with nature. The field of biophilia itself, it has stemmed over and crossed over into uh, the built environment. So people have recognized that, oh, I see being in nature can, it has effects on your cognitive ability, your stress level, your blood pressure. It helps you concentrate. It decreases rates of depression. So all of these sort of positive associations or benefits of contact with nature they've been designed for and they've been recognized and studied yeah during stress or yeah in times of yeah disaster even or post-war situations uh, we just try and get all of these positive things from nature and try and help ourselves through it absolutely yeah so being in wellington you discovered this concept of urgent biophilia what did you actually do? So it was quite interesting, actually. I, I came across the concept and I, I read a paper. It was by Keith Tidball and it's quite recent. I tried to see some parallels between what he had described in his paper and what was going on in the world. And so I decided to try and test it. And <laughs> what I did is I set up a small installation in my local area so at that time, New Zealand went into quite a strict and quite an early lockdown, and I was required to stay in my community, in my sort of local bubble, they called it. And so I set up a little installation in the park that was nearest to my house, and it consisted just of a number of jars. So I attached a few jars to a fence that had a nice viewpoint. I put five jars up initially, and then a pile of stones on the floor, and I labeled the jars with reasons that people might have for visiting the park on any given day. And so the idea was just quite simple in that I asked people to just drop a stone into the jar that most related to their reason for visiting the park that day. And I would collect the stones every day and I'd count them and see what sort of reasons people might be having for visiting the park. And in that way, I tried to see what sort of reasons were underlying the activity in the parks because I had observed a lot more people going to the park during the lockdown. And I wanted to see if it was a bit, had a deeper meaning than maybe just people being bored or being a bit uh, claustrophobic inside of their houses. So yeah, I did the, I did a little project. Sure. So that was quite a, a worldwide pattern, actually. A lot of people took to the parks during lockdown. Mm. I think so, yes. At first, I was also looking at some mobility reports. Google Maps, I think, was tracking where everyone was going in every country. You could look what the activity was like and the general percentage drop or increase. And obviously, it did drop tremendously because people were just moving around a lot less. But the parks, I think, dropped the least um, because people still needed to get outside. And what were the reasons that people gave you for visiting the park? Or at least what options did you give them? 
Yeah, so that was quite tricky, actually, was deciding what labels to put on the jars because there could be so many reasons and so many overlapping reasons. So I did two phases, and the first phase, I used the categories of cultural ecosystem services, actually. So these are the non-tangible services that nature provides, and these are things like beauty and inspiration and some spirituality, recreation. So I used those to inform the first level or the first phase of the project. So the first labels were uh, mental well-being, beauty, education, inspiration, and recreation. And in that phase, yeah, it was quite overwhelmingly obvious that people were coming for their mental well-being and then also for recreation. Those were the top two choices that people chose or the jars that were the fullest. Sure. Yeah. It made me realize that maybe those categories were a bit too vague. And so then I updated the jars. And then I used some of the the elements of biophilia in the next phase in that contact with nature has this effect on stress. It has this uplifting sort of quality about it. So the next phase was I put up three main headings, which were mental well-being, recreation, and aesthetics. And then underneath those categories, for mental well-being, I had stress relief, upliftment, and hope. Underneath a recreation, I had sport and leisure. And then for aesthetics, I had beauty and inspiration. And then the split, it was still quite predominantly mental well-being and recreation. But a lot of people were actually saying they were coming for their stress relief or for upliftment. And it shifted a bit when we were coming out of lockdown. Then people started putting more stones into that hope jar or they were there for more beauty reasons. And I think that's just a small indication that people were starting to feel quite relieved that the lockdown was coming to an end. Okay, so there was a shift from the beginning to the end. Yeah, a very subtle shift, I think. It wasn't too obvious. We had four levels of the lockdown, and so between level four and then to level two, it was still for mental well-being and recreation, but a little bit more okay. in terms of hope and less stress relief. Sure, that that is quite an interesting little experiment you did. Yeah, it was fun, and I think the community really enjoyed it too, which was nice. I think everyone yeah. needed a little reminder, something good. Yeah, it seems like quite a fun little interactive thing that you could have just gone to and and like sort of contributed to something. Yes, exactly. So in addition to the jars you had there, did you have any other way that people could communicate with you? Yeah. Uh, yes, so um, it was in phase two of the project that I um, organized a questionnaire and I had arranged with like the human ethics committee had to give me some approval from the university to do this ethics, I mean this questionnaire. So I distributed a QR code through Facebook groups and I did a post box drop of flyers so that people had access to the questionnaire. So basically that bit of the investigation gave me a lot more insight into who was visiting the park, how often they were coming, and then I specifically made the questionnaire quite open text-based so that people could type their answers to me and it wasn't all just multiple choice. 
And from that, yeah, I got some really nice comments and reasons that people might be coming to the park. A lot of them were based on logistics of basically just the routine being changed and needing somewhere to go. I really appreciated that people, they gave me quite honest answers about going to the park itself and what it actually meant for them personally and how it helped them cope almost through the lockdown and through hysteria and the chaos of the media um, and how the park was almost an outlet for that, which was, I guess, a lot more insightful than just having those jars at the park. Yeah, I think the the jars, they sparked something in people. It just kind of grabbed their attention. And then the complimentary questionnaire could really tease out some of the details. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear more on the questionnaires. Yeah, so the main question that I wanted to grasp from the questionnaire, and I asked it in a few different ways, was basically, were you coming to the park more so than you had before lockdown? Um, And then if you were coming there more, then why, I guess? Why were you finding yourself there more often? And so when I did the questionnaire, it came up that about, I think it was about 58% of people that said they were visiting the park more than they had before the lockdown, and only very few saying that they had visited it less. And when I asked them why, the basic logistic things came up like, uh, they had to replace the usual busyness of their their usual schedule. So they didn't have a commute anymore. They weren't running errands or doing sports. Okay. And so finding themselves in the park was just a way to replace that busyness. But also they were a bit antsy inside, needing to exercise, get a change of scenery. Or I had a few people who had children, and so they would just need to get outside to give their children some fresh air, some activities and sports. But then I basically asked people to to check a whole lot of boxes that described what kind of emotions they were feeling during the lockdown. And that was quite insightful because there was just such an overwhelming amount of contrasting emotions. So the top ranking emotions were uncertainty, but then also gratitude. So just interesting to see that sort of juxtaposition of feelings. And then I asked as a follow-up to that question if their visits to the park had helped them process really the emotions that they were experiencing. And then 77% of people said yes, that they needed the park to help process some things. And I broke it down into basically four different themes. And it was the theme of uncertainty, stress, loneliness and claustrophobia. And basically what the park offered people was just a way to get a fresh perspective, a clarity of mind. People said it helped them to like reset and recenter and provide somewhat of a conscious reduction of their anxiety and a way to escape, even like escape their housemates. Some people said they just needed a break from their housemates or whoever they were in isolation with. Um, And it offered them a moment to be alone, a moment to be present. And it also, in some ways, was quite nice to go to the park and see other people there, even if you couldn't interact or you didn't even know them. But it was this sense of solidarity in experiencing something quite difficult. And obviously just 
to get some fresh air. <laughs> I think that was that came up a lot. I just really needed a space to breathe. Um, so those were some of the main findings of the questionnaire. Yeah, it's quite interesting how the park is sort of offers a remedy to those sort of mm, things. It is interesting. You mentioned at the beginning that we seek out these places to connect to nature. How does that actually work? I think for for some people, or maybe for a lot of people, um, it's not really a conscious thing. You can't like switch on the now I'm connected to nature. It's it's I guess not that simple, which is what I think I found most interesting about the difference between biophilia and urgent biophilia, because the biophilia it's almost subconscious and you don't really experience it. It's just happening to you and it happens without you knowing almost. And so these benefits that come from being in nature, they're just happening to you. And I think only when you, you can, you can come to acknowledge it and to recognize it. And that is also something that I found was a finding of the lockdown is that people became more aware of that, how nature made them feel and by going out and connecting in any way they found appropriate to them, like connecting in terms of if you're even just doing sports out in nature or if you are really just drawn to the smell of the sea or something like that. I think there's a multiple ways that people connect, and it's also very personal, the way that people connect. And the urgent biophilia is more of like this conscious activity, and so you go out and you find that way that you connect, but you're going out specifically to draw on those, the advantages of being there and connecting in the way that suits you the best. Um, I don't know if there's a mechanistic or like a method that you have that helps you connect best. I think it would be yeah, quite a personal or that answer your question a little bit. Yes, yeah, thank you very much. Okay. Yeah. If you had to imagine the best world, what would it be? Oh, that's quite a tough question. <laughs> okay. Um, does it have to, is this completely hypothetical or does it have to stem from what already exists? It can be both. Okay. Yeah, it can be both. Okay. Yeah, I would say if we could undo some of the things we've already done, such as biodiversity loss. In the, the best world, we wouldn't have lost the species we have lost and we wouldn't be threatening the ones that we currently do have. In the best world, there wouldn't be the, the current crisis that we're dealing with, with the climate. I think from what I've learned of biomimicry and bio-inspired design, I would have hoped that our designs would have fit better in the ecosystems that we have and that we would have designed a way that was better and then we wouldn't actually be facing the problems that we are facing today, including, you know, the climate crisis and environmental justice and all of these um, sort of implications of the crisis. Yeah, so in my best world, I think we wouldn't even have to question this human and nature relationship because we would be living in and part of nature, so it wouldn't be something that we have to think about even it would just be you know we live in this one world we are a social ecological system we don't have to be separate from it and i think that would solve a lot of the problems that we currently have 
maybe not all in terms of yeah social injustice but perhaps if we had learned to design a better way and understand ourselves better in relation to this planet <laughs> then things could be quite different i think in a nutshell that's what i could say <laughs> so to you design is one of the most important things that we have i think so um because if we design i mean it's in designing systems it's in designing the way cities work it's in designing everything i don't just mean in uh design as in how things look or that kind of way but just in how things work like how we design systems particularly uh, i think there's much to be said about how we've designed systems that just don't work together with each other or they don't work in the right contexts and if we are more strategic in our designing of anything really and understanding how systems work and that they are systems and connected and connected to everything then it would make a big difference all right well thanks very much rebecca um thank you very much for um joining us today it's been a lovely conversation ah you're welcome my guest this week was rebecca mckinnon master's student at the University of Utrecht. If you'd like to find out more about the study that she's described in this episode, have a look at her YouTube channel, Rebecca Barbara McKinnon, and find a video called Biophilia Documentary. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend who will benefit. Next week, we'll be back with another exciting episode, but if you can't wait, have a look at the episodes that are already published. Thanks for listening. And thanks, as always, to Kevin Hansen for the theme tune. And until next week, cheers.